0: Investing in property makes sense. Investing in the right property takes knowledge. Welcome to the Rewarding Property Decisions Podcast. I'm Jared McCabe, Director of Wakeland Property Advisory. Join me for expert insights into the fundamentals, trends, and opportunities to help you create long-term wealth through smart property decisions. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 30 of the Rewarding Property Decisions Podcast. So we talk a lot um, in our business about the importance of location and of the land value of a property purchase. And obviously that's one of the main factors that drives capital growth. But when it does come to property, and particularly investment properties, Um, the improvements on that side are obviously extremely important as well. Uh, For some people who may be looking to knock down and rebuild, they may not be as fussed about the the, um, improvements on site. However, in most instances, the improvements on the site are going to add some form of value. And if you're looking at it from um, an investment perspective, they're going to help you maintain that property. So drive the income side of things from a rental return point of view. So it's important obviously to know, Um, with these improvements, are they structurally sound uh, and whether there's going to be a, a need to factor in potentially some extra costs if there is repair work required to that building. Um, and this is where the importance of a pre purchase building inspection, uh, building and pest inspection, sorry, comes into play. And it's, it's note in my opinion, it's not just a should I or shouldn't I get one done. It's an essential um, aspect, particularly to buying a house, um, given the amount of money that's being invested in the property. Now, it's also important to note that not all building and pest inspectors are created equal, so to speak. And I'm fortunate enough today to be joined by uh, Peter Alexander, who is the director of Mr. Inspector Building and Pest Inspections.
1: Thanks for joining us, Pete. How have you been? Very good. Thanks, Jared. Very good. It's Friday, so I'm better.
0: <laughs> it's always good when it's landing into the weekend.
1: Oh, uh, it is. Mate, yep.
0: before we get into yep. the guts of this, I thought I'd just check in. How has, um, if at all, has COVID impacted the um, pest and building inspection industry? Has it changed things much for you?
1: Uh, Well, you wouldn't think so at the moment. I suppose early doors with COVID, there was a few, um, you know, work was a little bit quieter because it was more difficult to get into homes. You know, some people weren't allowing it. Others uh, weren't really phased about it. Um, We had everything in place. And, um, it, it look, it was quieter, but... Um, at the moment, it's just ticking over. Still, um, once nothing, nothing it sort changed.
0: of, once COVID really kicked in, I remember having a couple of conversations with you. But because a building and pest inspection quite often formed part of the settlement process, it, you you had a bit more flexibility around being able to do inspections, providing the occupant was happy for you to do so.
1: Exactly, exactly right. There was a lot of umming and airing as to what we were allowed to and what we weren't allowed to do. I think that was across the board with with the, the what would you call them regulations i suppose that yep. the government brought in no one really knew what the hell was going on at the very start but once it came out uh, it basically said yeah if it was anything to do with the um the settlement of a property we were allowed to do it yeah so that um, sort of grouped so it in with
0: valuations and that sort of thing as well didn't it? it
1: exactly right so look some blokes weren't doing them some inspectors weren't doing them at all um, and some agents weren't even allowing it, but uh, that, that hence it was a little bit quieter. But yes, look, it was still still going on. Yeah, good, yeah. good. All right. Well, um,
0: I just wanted to, I guess we'll probably have you on um, every so often, probably get down to a bit of nitty gritty in other um, podcasts. But I thought today we might just give people a bit of an overview as to what's involved with the um, building and pest inspection process, because a lot of it happens um, without the the client being present. So it's it's good to find out what you're looking for and what you're doing. But as a bit of a background, um, what uh, qualifications are required for a building and pest inspector these days?
1: Well, in Victoria, none. Okay. So, basically, you know, you can be you can, be running a milk bar one day and you can go out and buy yourself a ladder and a torch and do pre-purchase building inspections. So
0: That's uh, a worry. You know, the,
1: uh, look, it, it is. Um, I've seen – well, I've been going, what, since 2004 now, so a long time, and I've seen them come and go. I've seen them get sued. I've heard about them getting Sued inspectors. Um, I think basically you've got to have a pretty good knowledge of construction. So your builders, your carpenters, especially your old experienced ones, are going to be going to be good. Um, your qualified building inspectors, which I am, so I've basically done a diploma of building surveying many years ago. Yep. Um, so I'm a qualified inspector, uh, and I'm qualified to look at uh, defects left by builders. Okay. Um, as per the Building Act and, and the regs. So basically, in a nutshell, you should have, in my opinion, you should have a pretty good knowledge of, of construction and defects and the Building Act and the building regs um, to be doing these.
0: And what can people who are looking to engage a building inspector, if they're looking at websites and things like that, is, is it, it's looking for those sorts of qualifications,
1: do you think? Well, I think the issue with websites is that you can – tell all sorts of lies on a website i see i I see websites pop up um and they might have popped up last week and they'll say 25 years experience in building inspections when probably it's it's 22 hours yeah um so anyone can write anything on a website but i think it's imperative that people uh one look at the qualifications or ask for the qualifications Ask for a sample report so you know what you're paying for because, look, you can get a 20-page report, a five-page report, or a 100-page report. Yep. Um, And also ask for the insurance certificate for your indemnity, professional indemnity insurance, so that they're covered. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Good point. Um, So, what's a typical building inspection and and pest inspection? Um, What's the process look like when you arrive at a property?
1: Uh, well, obviously we organise everything with the agent, work out the time and then we head to the job and um, uh, obviously you've got certain equipment that you've got to take with you, your thermal imaging camera, your moisture meter, your ladders, obviously your torch, your timber tappers for, for your ter- from your termite side of it where we run around tapping on skirting board windows, uh, window frames, door frames, uh, subfloor frame, timbers, uh, looking for hollowness from a termite perspective. So basically... Um, what I everyone's different as to how they do an inspection. Um, I've had a process, uh, and it's been the same process for nearly 20 years where I, I get to the house, I stand out the front, stand back, even on, it's on the other side of the street, and I have a good look to see, you know, the roof lines are they true? There's no, there's no sagging and bowing in the roof, there's no uneven. Uh, uneven walls or drop-in walls and big gaps between window frames and walls and things like that that indicate that there's been some sort of movement, either current or past, um, um, which could indicate a major footings issue. So I have I have a look at those at the start and then I get then you get into the nitty gritty. Um, where you're getting your ladder, you're getting up on the roof, you're having a look at your cracked tiles and your rusted roof, your flashings, your gutters, your downpipes, and then you're working your way down. Um, Your walls for, like I said, unevenness, rising damp, um, poor subfloor ventilation, um, drainage issues with slope of land, whether it's sloping to the house, which means you could get a bit of water and damp and mould underneath a house, um, to little things like rot paint deterioration, fence rot, um, eaves that have had leaks in them and things like that. So I do all the outside first um, and then I head inside. Um, okay. And basically you're looking for, again, the main things that are going to cost you money. Um, and that could be footings issues. So an uneven floor is could be an in indicator that you've got a stumping problem or a footings problem. Um, it can also mean that you've got... The house has been re-stumped, but they haven't levelled it off. Yep. Um, so that's not really a problem at all. The footings are sound, but she's just a bit out of level. Um, technically, I don't see that as a major, major issue unless it's really out of level. And when they re-stump, they've got a tolerance of plus or minus 15 mil in a room. So you could have a room that's 15 mil out of level. Um, so that would worry me personally. Yes. <laughs> I would get it fixed. Yeah. But it might not worry others. And it might not worry you if you you know, a, a purchaser's buying it for an investment and they just want a sound property uh, that'll last them 10 years without any issues. So, you know, it's it's really relevant. These reports are relevant to what people want as well. Some people don't care about $20,000 worth of rectification work. Some do.
0: Yeah, Um, I guess people factor that in when we talk to you as well. It's if you're stretching to your absolute maximum to go to a property and there's going to be a a roof replacement or something on those lines that might be $20,000, well, then they may need to make some adjustments to their their bidding limited auction or the offer that they put forward in order to incorporate that.
1: Yeah, exactly right. I suppose most of your clients are investors and you know, if I'm investing in a property, I want to know that it's not going to cost me a lot of money for the next 10 years. Yeah. Really, that's that's all I want to know. And and look, these older houses, um, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s will always have some issues unless they've been fastidiously renovated recently. They'll always have something to fix. But once you've fixed them, you're fine. Um well, I think I've said it to you in the past, I'd prefer a house that era than anything built yesterday.
0: Yeah, yeah, you well, have said that. In
1: the last 10 years, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. What are some of the... With those, that era of house, um, what are some of the major, or the, the more significant structural issues that, that might pop up? And I know from, I mean, on your website, but you also say it to us on a regular basis that you, you're never going to find a 10 out of 10 property. There's always going to be faults with it. But the things yeah. that are probably more common and that you need to be a bit more cautious around with the victorian houses and it's going to then differ again from a a double brick victorian house versus a weatherboard victorian house but what are some of the major things that people um or that that you do quite often see
1: well i think with the older uh you know 1800s early 1900s solid brick dwellings probably the one that may cost you will be if you have to reinstate your damp proof course because that's failed because of the age uh, it was just an old bitumen compound through, through um, the mortar bed um, at floor level and it fails after so long. And like everything, it's going to happen at some stage. That's probably a, a, a cost. And then you go into your footings, foundations failure where you've got some pretty massive cracking, walls that are out of plumb where you may need underpinning works. Yep. Um, they're the things that are going to cost you the rest. Uh, a bathroom that's leaking you know shower recess leaking because the damp proof course has gone that's going to cost you a bit if you have to pull it all up and do it all again because bathrooms aren't cheap anymore so they're the sort of things that will cost you yes um but uh, yeah a lot of them the old lath and plaster walls inside you know, they say after 70, 80 years you should replace them because they'll just continue to crack. And they do, and I run a torch up the wall, and you'll see whether all the cracks are patched. I'm pretty sure you've seen that. Oh, you torch. do say,
0: Yeah, the torch, I mean, I always find that really interesting with the torches just to see the shadowing of how that um, really shows up, the bulges and the, uh, and the movement that's come up in
1: those lava and plaster walls. Yeah, but uh, look, if you're going to worry about that in those old houses, you better go and buy a new one because yep. that's going to – most of them will continue to crack over time, and you'll be just patching them. Do you Maybe. find
0: um, when you're doing the reports um, or when you're sorry, doing the inspections, do you see very often um, where you can clearly tell that um, vendors or agents have um, patched up things or tried to cover up um, issues that may well have uh, have been more of apparent before you got there?
1: Oh, well, I suppose if you go into a house that's freshly painted, you, you straight away, you think, okay, well... what well, why have they done it? Have they done it just to make the house look good or have they done it to hide things and there, therefore, you know, your torch shows all that anyway, patched cracks, um, which I report on and I basically say that, you know, it, they may reopen. They may yep. not, yep. but they may. Uh, just so You've obviously got to warn people that that may occur. I've had agents, well, I won't name them, but I'll, I've had uh, yeah. gone to jobs where they've covered things, um, just, you know, they've put boxes up against... Um, In places that you just wouldn't put boxes. (laughs) And and, and you just think, oh, God, what's here? So you move something to the side, you'll find, you know, the floor's rotten or or she's a bit jumpy. Um, I've had boxes and stuff in shower recesses and then underneath (laughs) it's all your drummy drummy tiles. tiles. The the worst one was probably termites in a kitchen bench, which they – they draped the real estate agents, um, you know, the flag they put out the front <laughs> for the open for inspection. They, they, they draped that over the whole kitchen bench. And I go, oh, why would you put that there? And anyway, I uh, had a quick look and it was just covered with termite damage in Albert Park there. But, yeah, right. Yeah, look, look, it's very rare. Most people are pretty good. But, yeah, it does stand out when you um, walk into a house and go, well, hang on, that just shouldn't be there. Yeah, that's not right. Um, yep. Yeah.
0: How often do you think um, between you and the guys that you would suggest to someone that they w- would walk away from a property? Say out of percentage wise. Uh
1: rarely. Yep. Rarely would I say that. It might be one a month, and that's you know that's typically termite issues.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Um. Uh, because with with the termites, we can't. If we find termite damage in the subfloor, we can't then go inside and start ripping open stuff and, and behind the walls and seeing what the studs are like. We just can't. So there's that, that real risk there that there could be termite damage going all the way up through to the roof. Yep. So that's one – that's probably – and I and judge these on what I would do. Yes. Because um, everyone's different. Like I could find rising damp in a house. And one person might say, well, I'm going nowhere near it. And another person might say, well, I don't care. I'll just get it fixed. Yeah. So I don't really, things like that, I won't say, well, don't buy it. Um, well, that's not my job because every, everyone's no. different. Everyone's got to make a decision. But when it comes to termites, I probably, and I have done, whether I should or I shouldn't, said, look, pers- if it was me, I wouldn't touch it. I yeah. have done that.
0: Yeah. Um, with the, the interesting thing that I think people will, will find um, I've I know I've spoken to you a number of times about it but people always I, I quite often have people say oh, I don't really want to buy a weatherboard house it's more likely to be susceptible to termites but I know you've said to me that that's that you're far more likely with a brick house to see termites than with a weatherboard because of the extra moisture that's around
1: oh, look, look any house can get termites anywhere where there's timber it doesn't matter whether it's brick the, um, or whether it's weatherboard, it doesn't matter. Um, anything that's on a suspended floor, i.e., stumps, um, termites can enter it. They can just build their mud tunnel up the stump. Yep. Whether it be a brick veneer or whether it be a weatherboard, and they just they can eat the frame. They can get into the floor and eat the floor. Um, I've done a house on a slab. A brick veneer old Jennings house on a slab in the pines in Frankston um and the place was riddled with termites even yeah. on a slab yeah they come up through the bathroom pipe penetration and they went right into the roof and it was I think it worked out to be about 148 thousand dollars worth of damage Jeez. and that that person had bought that house without getting inspection and wanted us to check it just for anything that needed to be fixed so they were stuck with that yeah right can't do much yeah. about that. Yeah. Okay. No, nah, unfortunately, they were stuck with it. Pretty sad, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't really. Termites. Look, if you had a solid brick house on a slab, um, highly unlikely that the only area you would get termite damage might be in a in a skirting board or a, or a window frame. So relatively cheap to fix. Pretty rare for them to get up into the roof, but possible. Yep. Um, so there's less risk there. Um, but look. Any house could get termites, yeah. any of them. Yeah. The only ones I say don't worry about getting a termite inspection will be an upper-level unit part. The apartments, flat. yep. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Yep. Um, now, what I normally do as part of the podcast, Pete, and I'm sure you know this because you listen to it every week, but um, it, I do. <laughs> what I, we, uh, we quite often b- try and bring in some some practicalities and some examples of stories that, that have happened during your working career. Have you got any specific... Horror stories or positive stories where you've found something notified stopped, a, um, stopped someone proceeding, or where they've found something out that they've been able to factor in? So, something that, that might be of note to um, to our listeners?
1: Oh, look, uh, you know, apart from the people that have bought houses without getting inspection and got it done later on, um, I, I've had, of late, probably, uh, which I think is pertinent, but of late, the REIV seems to be their uh, their uh, clauses in their contracts in the section 32. When the client might say, "Oh, look, I want to get a building inspect subject make it subject to a building inspection." They sneak in the uh, the clause that says "subject to a building inspection with no major structural defects or live termites." Um. And they they without reading it, which is you know pretty much everybody including myself at times like yeah yeah that's fine and just sign away. Um, then I do the inspection and I can find multiple defects that aren't of a structural nature yep, which could cost a hell of a lot of money to fix yep. for example, a whole roof replacement the, the old concrete tiles are gone, you need a new roof, uh, rising damp, leaks from bathrooms. And uh, um, you, may, you said,
0: but, I think you said two live termites. Termites don't have to be there anymore to have not done huge amounts of damage.
1: Yeah, but a lot of the times your, your termites uh, is going to be structural damage because mm. um, they're going to get into the floor frame, which is all structural. Yep. Um, so that's not too get, bad. It, it, yep. Yeah, the major structural one is the one that I don't like. I, I just think people should – I know it costs money, and I know the reasons why a lot of people do it, but – I think if you sign that contract with that clause, you just you're not going to be a happy camper with an old house because, like I said, when I come back with those defects, you're stuck with it. Mm. And rising damp could be thirty, forty thousand dollar fix. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, absolutely.
1: And then, then it's it becomes your property, and then you're paying lawyers more than the building inspection, well, far more than the, what the building inspection costs you to try and get out of the contract.
0: Yeah, the wording I've, had, all, I've mm-hmm. had. Just go ahead. it.
1: Yeah, I've had I've had clients um, ring me up and say, "Oh, can you can you write in that that's a major structural defect? I need to get out of this. I can't buy this property." Yeah. Well, no, I can't. I'm sorry because it's not structural. Yeah, you know. Yep. So, I, look, I feel for them, but it's just it's you've got to be real careful with these contracts. Yeah. That's I suppose why a, a good advisor, conveyancer, or a lawyer is is handy. It I is important,
0: and and you're exactly right. I mean, we've um, we've adjusted some of the wording that we've used, I and mean, we quite a, a lot of our building inspections, as you, you'd know, uh, we get them done because a lot of the properties that we purchased are at auction, so we have to have them done before the auction anyway. So it's not not a condition yeah, of the different. contract, but with the, um, the conditions that we do sometimes or whether it's off-market or private sale, um, it, we try and get the wording to suggest that it's the building and pest inspection is to the satisfaction of the, uh, the purchaser, and then it gives you a lot more flexibility.
1: Oh, it does, and any—I think that anyone that doesn't do it's crazy. Um, like obviously, like you just said, it's auctions. Buyer beware. So, you've just got to get it done. But you know, if you're putting in an offer, subject to, you've got to be, in my opinion, and, and I know real estate agents that wouldn't sign that contract.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, um, it's got to be subject to a satisfactory building and pest inspection. It's simple, mm. quite easy.
0: that's great, Pete. Look, I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm sure we'll get you to come back on again (laughs) at some stage.
1: Not a problem, Jared. All the best for the weekend. Thanks, Pete. Cheers, mate.
0: So thanks for joining Pete and I for episode 30 of the rewarding property decisions podcast. Obviously, please feel free to share the podcast far and wide with friends and family and help us get as much exposure as possible. And if you would like any further information, please visit our website, wakeland.com.au, or you can visit Pete's website, which is mrinspector.com.au, and we wish you all the best with your property decisions.